We're going to start in our new series as we look forward to celebrating the birth of Christ. Thy kingdom come. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about aspects of the kingdom coming. Tonight, we're going to be focusing on the king arrives. Next week, the king speaks. And then on Christmas Eve, the king promises. Looking forward to our time together. Tonight, we're going to be in Isaiah 7 and then moving to uh, Matthew chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, and if you need one, there's some in the back for you. If you want to grab one, you're more than welcome to do that. In Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz, the king of Judah, is being asked to wait, and he doesn't like it. Some of us have that experience, waiting and not liking it, right? We're not very good waiters. Ahaz has been clearly told that God will oversee the establishment of his kingdom. And so for 260 years before Ahaz, the prophet Nathan stood before David and promised this from the Lord. 2 Samuel seven, twelve through 14 when your days, speaking of David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Ahaz knew this prophecy. Ahaz also knew that he was, his kingdom, was the kingdom of David. God had promised that it was through Ahaz's kingdom that his kingdom would be established. Ahaz knew this. And he was being summoned to obey in faith while he trusts and waits. Also remember, or know maybe for the first time, that at the time of Ahaz and the prophet Isaiah, the nation of Israel had been split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was known as Israel or Ephraim, and the southern kingdom of Judah, which is where Ahaz was. And so Israel, the northern kingdom, wanted to reunite the kingdoms and to take back over Judah, the house of David, the southern kingdom. This is where Ahaz, again, was king. And they wanted to assume it back underneath their rule because they knew the prophecy just like Ahaz did. The kingdom was going to be established through Judah, and they wanted part of it. The problem was they didn't have enough power to take over Judah. So they went to, as often happened, they went to a godless neighboring country, Syria, and said, will you please help us defeat, and we'll give you part of the spoils, defeat this little nation and help us to take over them. So Israel makes this alliance, and Ahaz and his countrymen hear about this alliance, and they are scared to death. They realize now they have the power to accomplish this against us, And we are in deep trouble. And so in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 2 it says, 
When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Church, I want to encourage us as I go through this. It is so often, and you hear me say this, it is so often easy for us to sterilize the Bible. And to think that these stories are somehow disconnected and that people weren't actually thinking and feeling things. The Bible puts language in there on purpose, like they shook like the leaves on trees in a windstorm to stir up into us. These are real people with great fears. Here's a king who's facing a great fear, and I don't think he's much like many of us. He knows what the Bible says. He knows what the word of the Lord says. He knows what the promises are. He's facing great fear. And in his fear, he starts looking for alternatives. Been there? True? It's very easy for us to do. Let's not disconnect the reality of the scripture because it speaks our story so well if we don't sterilize it. And so the Lord realizes that Ahaz is in deep trouble, and so he sends his heavenly messenger, the prophet Isaiah, to him. In chapter 7, verse 3, Isaiah says to Ahaz, Be careful. Be quiet. And that word quiet actually means to be still. Don't get your boxers in a bunch. Don't, don't get up tight. Don't be content. Rest. Be careful. Be still. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint. And then in just a few more verses, the Lord continues to speak to Ahaz through Isaiah. And he says this to him, these people and these plans that you are fretting over, they shall not come to pass. In verse 7, he says, within 65 years, Ephraim will be no more. They won't even exist. These people who you're really nervous are going to take you over, in 65 years, they won't even be on the planet. They will be shattered from being a people. And then in verse 8, the Lord's invitation is for Ahaz to trust him. That doesn't mean to do nothing. It means do everything that you know you're supposed to do while you wait for the things that you don't know you're supposed to do. Right? Waiting for us, church, does not look like standing still. We've got plenty of things to obey when we don't know certain things to obey. True? This is Ahab's, Ahaz's dilemma. Trust the Lord and wait on him to establish his kingdom in faith. He's going to do it. And so here's kind of an overview summary of everything I have just told you. Ahaz is facing some devastating, dangerous realities. The Lord sends Isaiah to him and says, I know it looks bleak. I know it looks like you're going to lose. I know this doesn't look good. From your side of your glasses, you look into doom. 
You think you are never going to be able to get out of this, but please believe me, not your circumstances. Believe what I see, not what your eyes see. You will not be destroyed. I will establish my kingdom. Trust me. Believe me. Don't take matters into your own hands. I'm going to do it. 65 years from now, the things you're worrying about, they're not even going to exist. And then in verse 9, the Lord says something very, very interesting to Ahaz and his people. Verse 9, he says, And if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, Ahaz, if you're looking for anything else to make your life solid, you will not find it. If you don't find your firmness and the wholeness and the gravity of your life in my word, you will have no anchor. Zero. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, Ahaz, the only thing you and your people have right now that is firm in your life is my word. If my word doesn't give you stability, nothing else will. But Ahaz, you can trust my word. And we know from history that Ahaz actually doesn't trust the word of the Lord. He gets panicky. He does the exact opposite. Rather than being still and not fearing and not letting his heart be faint and remaining firm in faith and trusting the Lord and waiting on Him, he seeks to gain relief by negotiating his own terms with another nation, Assyria or Babylon. And so in a sense, Ahaz refuses the word of the Lord And rather, in his panic, he determines, with his very logical human reasoning, made complete sense to him and many of his advisors, Israel is going to conquer me and my nation. I need a savior. Assyria, will you be my savior? And the irony is, Judah is never conquered by Israel. But guess who they are conquered by? Assyria. Ahaz's self-made savior becomes his conqueror and his slave master. The very person in whom Ahaz sought to find refuge apart from the Lord becomes his slave master. Probably the most troubling part of the story is right in the middle, after the Lord is offering and reminding Ahaz, remember my word, you can count on it, you can trust in it. Right about in the middle of the story, verses 10 through 13, the Lord again speaks to Ahaz through Isaiah. And Isaiah says to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. God is so gracious and kind to his people. He's got plenty of evidence. But God still says, you ask for anything as a sign, and I'll give it to you. 
But Ahaz says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. He actually quotes a passage from Deuteronomy. In order to shimmy out of his responsibility of obedience and trusting the Lord, he starts quoting passages. The problem is, he misquotes the passage to serve himself, because God himself is saying, ask. And Ahaz says, well, I'm not going to put the Lord the God to the test. Well, now you are putting me to the test, buddy. You're starting to wear me out. And so although this seems pious... Ahaz is refusing to take comfort in God's word. He doesn't want a sign. He is fearful and he is fretting. And what he wants is his own way. And in a sense, Ahaz is saying, Lord, that's really nice, but I'm not going to wait 65 years. I'm having a lot of hard time trusting your word. I don't want another sign. I want my way. And I want it now. So here's the Lord's sign. If Ahaz isn't going to ask for one, God's going to give him one. Because God's going to say, you are not about building my kingdom, but I still am. Hey, newsflash, take hope, church. Even when we lose our footing, God will see his kingdom through. Matter of fact, Jude concludes his book with these very same words, and I believe we're ending our service Today with this song, even when you can't keep yourself, I will keep you for you. That's good news. And so while Ahaz doesn't request a sign as proof of God's commitment, God offers one. And he once again in doing so reminds all of his people, not just then, but throughout all of history, I am committed to seeing my kingdom through. So then in verse 13, he says, Hear, O then, house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you must weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is the part where God responds to Ahaz's misquote of scripture and says, you're wearing me out. But here comes this sign that the Lord himself will give that his kingdom will be established. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You will see it clearly, and you will say, God is here. And so when, through the prophet Isaiah, he says, Hear then, O house of David, That's like an emphasis. So sometimes when I say to my boys, hey, B team, I'm reminding them who they are. In this same way, the Lord is telling Ahaz, you are a part of David's kingdom. You're not missing here. He's reminding them who they are, the house of David. And although Ahaz wearied God with his unbelief in the face of great amounts of assurance, the Lord in his continued ongoing faithfulness provides yet another proof sign even when it's not requested. The Lord himself 
will give you a sign. You don't ask for one. The Lord himself is going to give you one. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Then if we skip over a few chapters in the book of Isaiah to Isaiah chapter 9, the Lord through his prophet Isaiah continues to detail exactly what this is going to look like. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And then from this time on, every time Isaiah's words are spoken or read in a synagogue or whispered among religious families, Jewish families, or even spoken to other pagans on looking, for from this time forward, every time Isaiah's words are spoken, everyone hears this message and has the same opportunity as Ahaz. Be careful. Be still. Be content. Don't fret. Don't go your own way. The Lord will establish his kingdom. The zeal, the energy, the passion of the Lord of hosts, he will see his kingdom through. And for 300 more years, these words of God Almighty ring out to everyone who has ears. Many prophets will continue to ring forth this declaration and will say to all who have ears, let them hear. The Lord will accomplish his purposes. They're repeated. These messages are repeated over and over and over 300 years. And then silence. Nothing. Nobody was listening. I'm going to stop talking for 400 years. This is called the intertestament period. There's a break before the la- between the last words spoken of the Old Testament and the new words spoken in the new. There's only silence. Is God done? Will he fulfill his promise? Will he establish his kingdom? Will his Messiah come? Will he reign as he said? And then the Lord's fulfillment. 700 years, a little bit more, from Isaiah's heavenly message to Ahaz. The Lord God Almighty breaks the silence with his voice in skin. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory. We have seen the attributes of the Lord in this one. The glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Apostle John chapter 1. God's covenant word covered in flesh. He breaks the silence with a baby. All of his attributes born into an infant. The word of the Lord breaks the silence. His voice puts skin on and comes to get us. This is awesome. So the Apostle John announces, the king, the king has arrived. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. And so likewise, the author of Hebrews announces, the king has arrived. Vine and Branch, church family, hear the words of the living God. The king has arrived. Be still. Do not fear. Do not let your hearts be faint. The zeal of the Lord will do this. Our king has arrived. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Remember when I said about sterilizing stories? Here's a young man. His life is for all intents and purposes drastically changing. He's told in a dream that his wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And to keep moving forward. If we don't think that Joseph's experience wasn't that far off from Ahaz's, we miss the storyline here. You with me? Two people, two young men, in really devastating circumstances, are both told, don't be afraid. The Lord will establish his kingdom. She will bear a son and you shall call his name 
Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken through his prophet. And now Matthew quotes our passage from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. He is here. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had been given birth to a son. And just as he had been told, he called his name Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. There's a king born, and we've come to worship. The king has arrived, and it's so obvious that Asian stargazing kings from a far-off land knew it and came to worship. While many of God's people, with his own words in their synagogues, and even in their own hands, missed what was right before them. But not all of God's people missed it. Joseph didn't. Take a minute just to compare Ahaz to Joseph. Because both Ahaz and Joseph were given certain things. They were both in very difficult situations. They had both grown up with an understanding of the words and the promises of the Lord. Both of them received a heavenly messenger that they could have made out to be, well, that's just Isaiah. He preaches nude. He's kind of out there. I don't have to listen to him. Or an angel? Maybe I was, you know, the hummus was a little, you know, and I probably ought to rethink this. They both received a heavenly messenger who summoned them. Don't fear. Obey, trust, and wait. They were both provided the opportunity to live in declarative existence of the kingdom that is and is to come. And they were both given opportunity to trust in the word of the Lord. To trust and to act and to obey until the outcome is fully revealed. And while they both experienced similar pressing in from the Lord, they reacted differently. Church, during this Christmas season, we are celebrating that our King has arrived. It's not just something that happened in the past. It's a reality that we live in today. 
The king has come and it changes everything for us. True? As sure as he inaugurated the kingdom with Christ, he will complete the kingdom with Christ. As surely as the Old Testament prophets prophets waited for the Christ, for the Messiah, church, we too are waiting. And just as surely as they weren't waiting, standing around, twiddling their thumbs, but were actively participating in doing all that God has called them to do, we wait in the same manner. And we will either disobey with faith in a truth of our own making, like Ahaz, or we will obey with faith in a truth of God's making, like Joseph. We'll either disobey in faith, or we will obey in faith. But make no mistake, whatever point you choose, it is an act of faith. The question is, what is your faith in? But by faith we live differently in God's declarative existence in the kingdom that is. It's here. Back online. That was a pregnant pause. We're supposed to think about that. And this idea of living in the kingdom and for the kingdom that is to come, guys, see this all throughout the Old Testament and the New. This is not necessarily in these drastic you know, ministries that we create and these giant things we do for the Lord. It's primarily through acting and responding to the word of the Lord in day-to-day activities. In everyday decisions, in the faith, in the face of opposition, to believe God's work, to believe His word, and to wait for the outcome just like Ahaz, or just like Joseph. This is a thematic message that runs from Old Testament to New Testament, the entire Bible, the arrival or the waiting for the kingdom of the Lord. And by the way, this waiting on the kingdom is almost always followed with, don't be afraid, be still. Don't get anxious. Trust and wait. The psalmist speaks of this, and then he gives us the reason really clear not to. Psalm 37, this is often called the fretter's psalm. And the psalmist says this, this is a psalm of David. By the way, Ahaz would have had this psalm and would have read it because it's of David. And here's what David said. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, for they will soon fade like the grass. 
Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord and commit yourself to his way. Does this sound like a familiar theme, church? Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to him. Trust him and he will act. Fret not yourself over the one who carries out evil devices. Fret not yourself because it leads to evil. Your fretting goes nowhere good. Trust the Lord. Madam Branch, stand with me for a minute. While we wait, while we celebrate the fact that our King has arrived, and we wait for the arrival, the full fulfillment of the kingdom, we actively do it. We're participating. We're building it. We're praying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right now. Our King has arrived And it changes everything. Vine and Branch Church, hear not the opinions of men. Hear the very words of the living God. Luke chapter 12. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. When our culture is going crazy and evil seems to be pervading, God's kingdom is being established, church. He's doing his job. Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small as a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. It is of your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your king has arrived. Pass the word along in word and deed. God's kingdom is and it will be. And it is your Father's good pleasure to give it to you.
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So go forth living lives of fearful confidence in peace and joy, things the world can only speak of and put in Christmas cards, but they know it not in their heart. So go forth speaking it with confidence. For God's glory, for our joy, for the salvation of our children and our neighbors and our communities, and for the advance of his kingdom. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.